Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode is brought to you by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish is a personalized vitamin regimen customized to you. Backed by 45 years of science, they remove the guesswork from your vitamin regimen. With thousands of happy customers, Nourish is a trusted supplement brand by many. Visit Nourish.com to create your customized package today. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, Bundesliga is back. We can confirm that it will return this weekend, the 16th of May. We've been waiting all too long, it feels, but um, we're going to be very happy to get it back. So obviously you can tell I'm excited, and I'd imagine these two fellows are equally excited. Joining me, as always, Manu Veth. Manu, how are you today? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, you know, looking forward to getting the Bundesliga back going and have been running a lot of content on the Bundesliga restarting on Transfermarkt. So yeah, we're, we're very, very excited to have the football back. How are you, Bryce? Yeah, not too bad. Keeping busy, keeping um, as active as possible and just, yeah, I suppose counting down the days for uh, football to return to our lives. We've got enough going on, haven't we? Um, and it's it's good to get something uh, positive uh, and cheery to come back to, even though football might be a little bit different this time. I'm just equally excited. I'm joining Manu and I, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce have been very well, thank you. I've been quite busy this week, as we all have in um, anticipation for the league starting. Everybody is interested in the Bundesliga, which is good news for us. Um, and hopefully it'll be good news for them, because if they haven't watched the league before, they're going to get a real nice insight into it. They're not perhaps going to see the famous atmosphere that we all love, but they'll see the level of football is just as good, and if not better, than some of the places in Europe. Absolutely. And on today's podcast, we're going to help you get um, ready for the weekend. We'll be talking about the headlines, then we'll be talking about the games coming up and even answering your questions as well. So it's it's going to be an action-packed 45 minutes, I think, on here. So let's get started. I think we need to talk about one of the big headlines, and that's Dynamo Dresden have had four players test positive for COVID-19. What does this mean? Well, they're at the bottom of Bundesliga 2 and they were due to play this weekend against Hanover, but now that's not going to happen. So um, we'll go to Manu first to, to discuss this. Is this the worst possible thing that could have happened ahead of the restart uh, of the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 for the DFL? Well, um, I think that there's going to be a lot of frantic questions, etc. Um, ask every time we're going to have any kind of negative um, scenarios thrown our way. Um, I think when I saw some of the reactions on Twitter at the moment, the, these news were announced, um, I believe it was on Saturday, 
um, a lot of people saying right away to the DFL, you have one hour to end the season. Um, I think it's very premature to um, s throw away an entire concept that the league has worked on for a very long time because of something happening that many of us or the league itself expected to happen at one point or another. The DFL concept, um, part of the DFL concept is that players and teams will have to go into quarantine. And you can't say at the first hurdle, this is it, we have to throw away the entire concept and cancel the rest of the season. Now, the big problem in Germany in, in comparison to other countries in Europe, not so much to the United States, but to comparison to a lot of other countries in Europe, is that the, the regional authorities in Germany are quite strong. So you will have um, on the levels of... Um, both state or the lender authorities, you will have health authorities, you will have city health authorities, um, and they can very much make their own decisions regarding in what is going on um, in terms of hygiene concepts. And in this case, the city of Dresden decided that the club will have to go into quarantine. Now, there is not much the DFL can do in that regard, right? Um, that's the decision by the local authority in this case and it means that Dresden will not be able to play this match day or the match day after and then would have to probably do a cold restart now they're last in the league um, and they have been some rumors that maybe they provoked this because they didn't want to have um, they didn't want to face relegation from Bundesliga 2 that was today shut down by their um, CEO Ralf Menge and um, said basically he said that I think this came from the Spanish Football Federation said that those rumors were nonsense of course it is odd I mean players have been tested all this time I think Chris you tweeted this one of the players said he's been t tested five times and this is the first time he came back positive correct me if I'm wrong there yeah, that's correct. So, yeah, it was one, obviously it was one of the Dresden players. Um, it was, it was a striker who, whose name escapes me at the second. I shall pick it out. But yeah, he said he'd been tested, um, five times, um, and that they'd just been back negative, 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 negative. And then all of a sudden, um, he becomes positive. Uh, and he said he'd not done anything different. So he hadn't, you know, he hadn't gone against the ruling. He'd gone about his daily life as he'd been told to in accordance with the DFL protocols and, and unfortunately, um, he he picked it up. He, he said he hadn't done anything different. I think which is the most telling thing for me because had you said um, had he said that you know he'd gone to a different garage or he'd filled up his car or something, you, you could understand where maybe he could have picked it up. It was um, Simon Mackinock, the, the Dresden striker, said it, and his exact words were: Five times I've been tested since we started training again. Every result was negative. Suddenly I get a positive result. No symptoms, no evidence, nothing. I took all the precautionary measures and it still happens. So, yeah, it seems that, you know, it's it's happening and we don't know if it's a positive negative or a negative positive and, and he all of a sudden got a positive. There's so many ramifications to it. Yeah, definitely news that um, nobody wanted to hear really ahead of the uh, league's returning. Um, I suppose the question for me would be, um, well, we'll go to Chris for this. How do you think it would feel if it wasn't Dynamo Dresden, if it had been Bayern Munich? Would that have changed things, do you feel? I think it would have changed um, people's interpretation on it. Um, I mean, don't forget, there's, there's a lot of interpretation coming from 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 the UK at the minute um, and, and England in particularly because of the Premier League and the teams that are down the very bottom end of the league are um, 
seemingly keen for it to be voided for obvious reasons. They don't want to be involved in a relegation scrap. The amount of money that they're going to lose should they drop out of the league. You know, there's a lot of money at stake, like, like there is in a Bundesliga. So I think a lot of people have said maybe Dresden have only done this so you know they can get out of being relegated, which I, I think would be um, maybe a little harsh. Um, I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories, but for me to, to lie about something so um, serious, you know, they could say we've had a couple of players tested positive and the, the local government could quite happily say, OK, send them to us and we'll test them. Now, if that found out to be negative, then, you know, there's a, there's a lot of connotations involved in that, um, which would have massive, real massive implications for Dresden. So I'm going to take them at the face value, but I can see why people may say, you know, you're only doing that because you're about to be relegated, which I think we're all become very cynical. But in this worldwide global pandemic, I think we have to take teams at face value. Had had it been Bayern Munich um, and had they been at the top, you know, by more points, um, then I don't think anybody would question it. Likewise, you know, if they were one point clear with three to play and they had to play Leipzig and Dortmund in those two, three games, people would say exactly the same thing. You're only doing it because you're scared you might not win the league. And I think we have to look past um, individual tribal rivalries and see that football's trying to recover from you know, a potentially catastrophic event for it financially as a business. And it's trying to do it in the safest way possible. And we have to take teams on the, on their trust and on their face value. Yeah, I think so. I, I would imagine that uh, it's people looking for a uh, it's something more than what it is, or at least I hope so anyway. But uh, Manu, we'll go back to you and, and we'll talk a little bit uh, more about this uh, scenario. I, I mean, what exactly will it mean for uh, Bundesliga to, I mean, Dynamo Dresden, obviously these players are in quarantine, you know, for 14 days. Does does it mean that then, you know, they skip two match days and then they're straight back into it? I, as far as I know, they, they've got an English week coming up as well. So, I mean, after their return, they would be uh, full, you know, thrown right in the deep end. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, for them, it's, it's a very difficult scenario. Um, they haven't actually made a decision yet on how they're going to deal with these two matches that they missed. And keep in mind, um, Hannover 96, the team that they were going to play um, this weekend, they're also now not playing, right? Um, obviously, they are able to train, but still at the same time, it, it, is, it is a difficult scenario for the teams that Dresden were supposed to face. I think that it's quite tricky because technically speaking, the players are now in quarantine until May 23rd. And uh, that would mean the earliest they could play would be against the uh, Arminia Bielefeld, who are currently first in, in Bundesliga 2, right, on May 27th. So that means they would have four days to get out of quarantine. Everyone would get tested. Hopefully everyone tests negative. And then um, take play a game. And that's uh, tricky. So um, I think that they're hoping... Uh, I think that they're hoping for just some sort of solidarity um, in that that match days can maybe been moved around a little bit but I think a lot of that is a lot of that is touch and go and there's a lot of things moving parts that are going on um, I mean we've seen Bundesliga functionaries being questions about those things and there's been a lot of fun being made of them that they don't have the answers but at the same time we're in, we're in a time now where it is very difficult to have answers for anything right I find that um, the fact that teams like Dresden 
um, in Karlsruhe and Bremen and Paderborn, the teams that are very much stuck in the, the relegation spots of the two respective leagues, um, it's very tricky for for them, right? Because on the one hand, um, let Bremen, for example, they weren't able to train, right, um, until very recently. So these teams do have these teams do feel negatively affected. But I, I also think that. As Chris said, I mean, next week, maybe another team will face a similar scenario. They're all in this together. And I think that um, to expect 100% fairness um, and solidarity, yes, absolutely. But everyone um, is in this together. Everyone is facing this scenario together. And it's kind of when one team complains about the grass being too long a little bit, you know, when they play against each other. Um, forgetting that the other teams all have to play on the same pitch as well, that, you know, the opponent had to play on the pitch as well. It, it affected Dresden in this scenario, but maybe two or three weeks from now, another team will be affected. And I think the more important question is how many teams will have to be affected by possible quarantines until we say, okay, well, this is it. Um, we have to cancel the league. We have to, we have to stop playing um, because we cannot get all the match days in. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, to see how the next few weeks pan out uh, with testing and and obviously see how um, how we can get these games squeezed in. Uh, Chris, we'll go to you on this one. Uh, we need to talk about the DFL who um, want to have a vote on promotion and relegation. So uh, you know, after all this aftermath, so that that's going to be moved to next week. As no surprise, uh, Werder Bremen and Paderborn, who are in the Bundesliga, and Karlsruhe and Dresden in Bundesliga 2, um, are obviously highly against it. Um, how, do, how do we feel that that's going to go? And then, I suppose, after that, we need to maybe go to, to Manu and talk about Liga 3, a, a league that he knows rather well because his 1860s side are in. But, Chris, how, how do you feel about this vote and what way is it going to go? It is a really difficult um, proposition to put forward for clubs because... I can understand why they want to go down this route, the DFL, because they want to avoid a scenario potentially where where teams um, are saying that they can't fulfil fixtures because they're scared of going down. So this two teams down and champion decided uh, and two teams up um, will will hopefully look at that because should any team wish to maybe take advantage of the situation, the the vote would be for the league to be suspended and the table to be the final on that day. So realistically, if you're in the bottom two um, and this goes through, you don't really want the league to be suspended. You want to play out all your games and try and get out of the of the relegation issue. I get that. The problem then becomes that if this vote goes through, there's going to be the third place team in Bundesliga two, and obviously the the sixteenth place team in Bundesliga one. Or the Bundesliga won't really be um, too bothered about this, but there'll be no relegation playoffs. So that will be slightly unfair to you would say the the Bundesliga two side who finish in third who would normally get a two legged shot at promotion. That that wouldn't happen. Um, how far would they be prepared to push that? Um, you know, legally, I don't know how much of a standpoint they'd have on that, but. I can see why they want to do it, and I do get it. There needs to be, there needs to be a, something in place because Manu is quite right. We could go back this weekend, and there could be a couple of players who test positive, and that might not affect anybody. It might just be the staff, for instance. We could be in a situation where, God forbid, someone gets through and, and plays and, and has it as asymptomatic, but passes it on to maybe six or seven teammates, and then clubs can't finish. So if that happens, then. You know, UEFA have already said that the seasons need to be sorted out on sporting merit, especially 
if you've got ideas of playing in the Champions League next year, which every league, you know, in the 55 association wants to play in the Champions League. So I know why they they want to be able to sort it out. And points per game would be actioned on that should, for instance, Eintracht Frankfurt not have caught up with the, the games that, you know, they've got in hand, etc. There would need to be points per game to bring everybody onto the same level. But I can certainly see why those at the bottom are in opposition to it. Um, and I can also see why those at the top may be in opposition to it, because if you're going for the title and it's suspended with one game left and you're one point behind, you're going to feel pretty aggrieved at that. But there's no perfect scenario and there's no, per- well, there is a perfect way. The disease goes away or we get a vaccine or, you know, we wake up tomorrow morning and everybody's immune to it. That's the only way we're going to get back to normal. And that isn't, unfortunately, not a possibility. So the DFL have to look at ways to to back the season up should it not continue and it's not going to be fair to everybody and and this is a problem that we're going to have there isn't a one solution fits all and and all the um, 18 teams or the 36 if you include the second division they all need to be working as one and and together on this for a decision and I don't think you're going to get that either there's always going to be clubs who are split yeah, absolutely. It's a very tricky one, isn't it? Uh, let's see how that vote goes next week. But um, as I mentioned earlier, Manu, we're going to talk to you a little bit about uh, Liga 3. And it's true that maybe, you know, the, a lot of the clubs down there or the interest in Liga 3, you know, may may not be that international. But all these things, you know, you one league to the next with promotion and relegation. It has not gone effects. So um, talking about your 1860 side, you know, they're sitting in sixth, uh, only two points off, you know, second or third. Um, what's the situation in Liga 3 at the moment? And, you know, would it mean that, you know, they these clubs would lose out as well? I mean, what's the ideal scenario here? Yeah, you know, I just actually did a piece on that before we went on the podcast for Transfermarkt and um, the sort of the reactions out of today's meeting and and the, the DFL meeting and the fact that, you know, Dynamo Dresden um, were quite unhappy with, with some of the proposals, the fact that, you know, that they, they want to have promotion and relegation in place um, in case the leagues get cancelled. But DFL actually put in one little tiny wording um, in in the proposal which said that promotion and relegation between the second and third division and keep in mind the third division um, is not a bundesliga right the first and the second are bundesligas and the third division is run by the dfb so it's not a dfl league it's not a bundesliga um promotion relegation between the second and third division will only take place if an equal amount or similar amount of games have taken place in first in the first two divisions now uh, the third division is currently on 27 games, but um, they have 20 teams, so more match days, right? And you're quite right. Uh, the promotion relegation um, spots are very close. I mean, the only team that very much looks into being locked into any position right now is Carl Zeiss Jena, who is with 17 points, 15 points off the, of, you know, off safety. I, I don't think they're going to stay in the league either way. Um, they were very much affected today. Uh, sorry, on Tuesday, because the state of Thuringia said there will be no team sports until June, so they wouldn't be able to play at home. That is already a big problem for the league because like, right now it looks like the only way they can continue is by playing uh, in neutral venues. Now, some teams are for that, some teams are against it. They actually did a vote on whether or not to continue this season. Um, out of the 20 teams, only 10 said yes, 8 said no, and uh, 2 
two didn't vote at all, right? And um, the problem is, of course, the teams that were in the, the relegation spots, so Karlsruhe, Jena, of course, Asbach, Münster, Zwickau, they said, oh, we don't want to continue. And the two teams at the very top, Duisburg and Waldhof Mannheim, also said, oh, we don't want to continue because, well... <laughs> They, they are hoping that they're going to go straight, get straight promoted, right? Then meanwhile, teams like 1860 are very much for continuing the season because, like, look, we're two points off a promotion spot. 1860 were undefeated in 13 games. You know, their form was very much pointing towards maybe making a run for promotion. It's very difficult because on the one hand, you have the second division teams that uh, don't necessarily want to go down. Um, and they are, of course, arguing, okay, well, if the third division don't get the act together, then why would we go down there? And then on the other hand, you have the, a lot of some third division teams that want to continue, some that don't. You have different infrastructure problems. Third division teams are very much dependent on money. And on top of that, um, you have ideas about maybe splitting the third division into two leagues next year. You know, to, to, to have teams come up from the Regionalliga that missed out on promotion, have everyone who's currently in the third division stay in, have teams from the second division join. Um, it's it's in such big turmoil that it's very difficult to see. So Dynamo Dresden and Karlsruhe might be lucky in saying that maybe there's promotion and relegation between the two Bundesliga leagues, right, if they can continue to play. But promotion and relegation, and this is a scenario that has been voiced by the DFB, if the third division do not get their act together, there might be no promotion to the Bundesliga this year. Yeah, it's all it's 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 all very interesting and slightly up in the air at the moment, isn't it? Uh, I, I keep saying it, but all we can do is uh, wait and see how it all pans out. Last chance now. Now no! they've done it. Four four, an incredible derby. Remember the date, the 25th of November 2017. Dortmund 4, Schalke 4, the mother of all German derbies. Okay, that was the epic audio, uh, Naldo's goal, from the infamous 4-4 derby from 2017, courtesy of the Bundesliga YouTube channel. All I can say is ahead of the Riviera Derby this weekend, um, a good preparation would be to watch that as the Derby rarely disappoints. So yes, this is the point where we're going to talk football. It might be a little bit different. It might be behind closed doors, but um, football is returning. And with one of the biggest games on Saturday, uh, the Riviera Derby, Schalke against Borussia Dortmund. So... Chris, let's talk football. Um, Dortmund uh, trained in their stadium this week uh, with uh, music uh, playing because obviously the fans are not going to be there. But to get a feel for the grind, I would imagine. Um, I, am I right in saying that this was their approach? Yeah, there's a lot of teams who have decided to train inside stadiums. Not normally the done thing. Um, obviously, they have training grounds. Some are quite far away from the stadium. Some are quite close. Um on this particular match day, a lot of teams have, have chosen to either play in their stadium as it is or in their old stadium. Mainz are another side who've, who have, have moved to a stadium outside of, of the, the town, Stroke City, but they've gone back to their old stadium, which is still standing, just to get a feel to play um, inside empty terraces. It's also something that the players are dealing with. I spoke to Reese Oxford today, who's obviously used to play at Gladbach, he's now at Augsburg. Um, they've been doing plenty of training for this and, and it's something they're trying to get used to, to playing in, in vast empty terraces. But yeah, it, it's going to be a different derby. 
um, it's going to be a very good derby because once the players get onto the pitch and they kick off, I mean, you speak to any player anyway, and they'll tell you that they almost go into a zone where they start playing football. Now, obviously, the crowd help them get into that zone. And, you know, you see how emotional a player gets when, when he scores or if it's a goalkeeper when he makes a penalty save or a defender makes that last-ditch challenge, you know, the, instantly straight into the crowd. So it's going to be a different game of football. But, yeah, all the clubs uh, are finding unique ways to train um, and, and get over this little hurdle. And it'll only take one match day, maybe two, I think, and they will be used to be playing behind closed doors and that feeling of, of playing football will be back. Now, whether that's liked by everybody universally is a completely different question, but on the actual um, term of football, yeah, they, they have been playing, but they have been hit Dortmund, especially by some injury concerns. Um, Emre Can and Axel Witzel um, will be... Um, unavailable due to muscle strains. You know, there's a couple of other players who are touch and go um, for Saturday's game. It's going to add to that melting pot of a derby because Schalke are very good under David Wagner. They've got some exciting players and they can play some excellent football. You just mentioned that 4-4 game from a couple of seasons ago. I mean, Schalke played some good football on that day. I think ultimately under David Wagner, they might have even won that game because their style of football was a lot better or is a lot better now than it was. So I'm really looking forward to this game because even with a full stadium um, and with one team top and maybe even one team as low as bottom, you know, the difference is the difference goes out the door for a derby. All form goes out the window, which is quite ironic, really, because we've had no form to look at for the past six weeks. Well, this is it. that was getting to the point I was uh, about to ask Manu. Um, you know, what can we expect from Schalke maybe going into this? Uh, I'm sure they're happy that you know, the, the Dortmund grind isn't absolutely jam packed, and you know, that 12th man is there to support their side. Uh, Schalke have also been in pretty rotten form um, since the uh, the winter break, but that was all a very long time ago. Um, you, can they possibly you know take a you are positive from this and you know surprise Dortmund maybe get a win yeah I mean this is the great leveler isn't it I think that all the teams are coming um, it's kind of like the start of a season isn't it um, same kind of scenario that teams are coming off a season preparation not none none of the teams will be in perfect form um, at this stage you know they all every single one has to deal with that early season bounce, you know, having trying to figure out to play with each other again. And um, you will find that some players are just not at 100% fitness. Um, Dortmund, for example, are without Axel Witzel and Emre Can, right? And I think that all of that plays uh, could play into the underdog's hands. You know, the early, the early stages of a season is always when you can surprise the big boys a little bit. And I think that that is very, very much the case here. I think we're going to go into this match day not knowing anything. <laughs> you know, Bryce, it's like with everything in life right now, isn't it? That we just have no clue really what to expect. Uh, I think that on paper, obviously Dortmund are the more talented side. Schalke have had an up and down season. There's question marks at Schalke with the goalkeeper, right? Alexander Nübel or, or Schubert, who is going to be the one in goal. Um, they uh, have had had issues scoring goals. They're very young and talented side that on their day can be very good, but also, you know, has, has their up and down experiences. And then uh, Borussia Dortmund with Erling Haaland and 
all these star players that they have and Jaden Sancho, I think a lot of people are going to just tune in to see those two. They will be expected to carry the day, but we have no clue what to expect in terms of form. And I think that will make this a very unique watch. Yeah, it definitely will. It's 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 going to be uh, interesting for many levels. Um, I'm I'm not really sure what to expect. Uh, to be honest, it's it's going to be uh, one to remember whether it's good or bad. I feel. But um, let's talk about the game on Sunday. Um, another big one, uh, one that stands out when you look at the fixture list. And you've got Union Berlin will be hosting Bayern Munich. Chris, uh, Union Berlin and another side uh, that you know we we would expect to benefit from having um, you know the the crowd behind them. You know the, they're always very very loud and, and very rowdy. You know at home, it's a very unique ground, a ground that we've been to. Um, surely this is going to be a benefit for Bayern Munich. Unfortunately, it will be a benefit for Bayern Munich, and I, I don't mean that as a slight on Bayern because obviously they're a, tr- a tremendous side, but. Union Berlin, as you just mentioned there, are are a very good side. Um, I was convinced when they were promoted at the end of last season that they would do quite well this season in the league. And and they have, they sit 11th, um, which for a team of their size, for a team that's a debut into the league, and for their financial muscle that they've got, I think 11 is, is a brilliant, brilliant position for them to be in as we get towards the back end of the season. I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say they're safe because of how well they've done. But this is a game I feel that that stadium would have been up for. I was lucky enough to start the season in um, Union Berlin against Leipzig. Now, they were battered that day 4-0, but the crowd was just... just I don't even have the word for it. They were that good. They were still singing 10, 15 minutes after the final whistle. They were that proud of just being in the league and they were that proud to be able to watch their team play. I was then there for their second home game, which is against Dortmund, where they blew Dortmund away. And that was another magical night in in a stadium which is in the middle of the forest, hence its name. Um, And yeah, unfortunately, and and I do say unfortunately, this will be be a bit of a downside for for Union Berlin, not playing in front of that very passionate crowd. As they already said, three sides of it are standing. It's very, very unique. It has, I'm going to say, the best atmosphere um, that I've seen um, considering how small it is as well. Obviously, the Signal Iduna Park, I think, is, is one of the best atmospheres in the world, but Union Berlin runs it close, especially in Germany. And, yeah, there's 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 so many little extras that that crowd would have bought because if you look at the players that are on show, like the attackers, I mean, Bayern are exceptionally blessed. You've got Kingsley Coman, Muller's there, Serge Gnabry's there, Lewandowski's there. I mean, that, that three with the one in front is deadly and will probably kill most teams in Europe. And then you look at who's on the other side, um, Poulter and Anderson. Now, they certainly get lift by that by that crowd. You've got the back three. Obviously, Nevin Supertich is a really experienced player, but I think he knows he, he can thrive on that crowd. And my only fear for them, and for any team now that plays either Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Gladbach or Leverkusen, is that it almost becomes like a training match for the for the top five teams because there is no... There is no animosity them to face. There's no 12th man for them to get over. So in this particular game, had it been normal and had it been when it was supposed to be a few weeks back, I think the Union crowd could have got them a draw. It may have even got them a win with how we've seen Bayern play occasionally. But behind closed doors, I can only see a routine convincing Bayern win, maybe 3-4-0, which I think would be a massive shame. And I hope I'm wrong, but... 
that's the only way I can see it going. And, and that, for me, is one of the negative aspects of playing games behind closed doors because I think certain teams will, will benefit from it for the good and certain teams will be hampered by not having such a passionate crowd. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a real shame for a side like that, you know, that thrive on that atmosphere, isn't it? And I can only imagine for the likes of Bayern Munich, that will be a massive uh, benefit for them, you know, going forth uh, you know, as the as this season tries to conclude. Um, Manu, we need to talk about uh, Union Berlin a little bit further. Um, coach uh, Juris Fischer uh, has not been able to um, attend the training camp due to personal reasons. Do we know whether he's going to attend the game? And then we probably also need to speak about uh, Nevin Subutik. Um, and what he's been uh, saying, his uh, concerns. Yeah, for the I'll just start with Urs Fischer first, shall we? Um, I think that uh, well, I just just read the news today that the the he had to leave the um, training quarantine training camp, as they call them in Germany. Um, they, they, the club was very clear right away in the press statements. Look, uh, it's for personal reasons; has nothing to do with Corona. I think that. The moment you see something something like that in the news, you're like, oh, oh, maybe he tested positive and they had to leave them, or maybe someone in his family got it, right? And they had to remove that person from from the camp. But yeah, he said it's absolutely his personal reasons. Um, I'm sure there will be a more clear statement coming forward. Now, the problem, of course, is um, <laughs> when you leave the quarantine training camp. Um, I think the regulations make it very difficult to get back into it. The game is in two days right that's um that's that's very that's very soon and it's going to be very difficult for um for for them to to get him back um get him tested so it looks like they will be without the head coach now Nathan Subotic um he did make some statements about the game coming back uh, the game's coming back in general and also the fact that you know um, the players were never really asked um, I think um, Chris you tweeted something really interesting in that regard today I think that yes they I mean the consensus of course you know maybe it would have been nice for the players to be asked about this but um, legally speaking it's not really the case that they have to be asked isn't it yeah, there's um, there's been some some reports today in Germany, as there is everywhere. But they've spoken to a, a legal lawyer, obviously a, a labour specialist or a labour lawyer specialist, who said that professional athletes didn't mention footballers in particular, just all athletes. Professional athletes really don't have a leg to stand on. I'll paraphrase it: don't have a leg to stand on if they don't want to go back to work, and there are strict health and and guidance policies set in place. So, obviously, the DFL has this protocol. Um, and, and an expert in German legal proceedings has, has said today that if those protocols are there and they're enacted properly and they're enforced correctly, there is really no legal standpoint where a player can say, I don't feel it's safe, I don't want to go to work. So if any player would now be in that situation where they didn't want to go back to work, legally, I'm not going to talk about morally, legally, they could be released from their contract, find a couple of weeks' wages, um, and, and maybe they themselves may feel they've got no option. But it's an interesting one for me because um, obviously Germany operates inside the EU, so that will be governed by EU law. How does this then relate to the other leagues that want to start and other players? So um, Serie A, La Liga, even the Premier League is still, you know, although the UK has left the EU, it's still part of a transition period. EU law is still in, in place for the moment. 
So it's going to be real interesting, this this quote that I've seen today. And there's, there's a full interview. It's in German, but I will watch it later on to just get the feel for it because I think this has um, a potential to maybe stop players from from saying they have concerns, even if they do have concerns. And, and I do understand every player that's got concerns. I've certainly got a lot of um, concern myself and a lot of time for players from um, from black and, and, and ethnic minorities who it's been seen to show, especially in the UK, have suffered terribly from, from the symptoms. Their symptoms seem to be worse. It's something to do with genetics or with the, with the blood makeup or vitamin contents. It, it seems to be affecting different races in different ways. So I can certainly see how players from, from the areas that are affected would not want to play and maybe a little bit unsure of playing. But legally, they don't seem to have to have a right to say no at the moment. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, it's such a tricky one, isn't it? Because like, I think maybe the clubs, and in some regards, the clubs have spoken to the players. And Chris, both of you and I had the experience to speak to players recently that, that are part of the Bundesliga operations. I spoke to Tyler Adams, you spoke to Reese Oxford. The sense I've gotten um, is that they want to play. I, I think that's the sense that you got as well, right? Yeah, 100%. And you know, as I said before we recorded this, sometimes you forget... You know, that players uh, are just just like me and you. They're just human beings, and and you know, players certainly player I spoke to, Reese Oxford. He's, he's a very young lad. He's just a young lad trying to earn his wage and earn his play and and play football in a, in a different country. And that's what they want to do for the majority. They want to play football. They just want to get back playing. The routine's gone for them. You know, they're not in the gym together. They're not training together. They're not hanging out together. They're not having meals together. They're not playing football together. It's a routine. And you have to remember that these players, they haven't just been in this routine for now or the last couple of years. Some of them have been in this routine since they were seven or eight in those academies. You know, it's a big ask for kids at eight, nine, ten to, to, to go into an academy. And it's very, very strict. My son's been in that academy process himself. It's very strict. What time you go to bed, what you can eat, when you can go out. Everybody else is going out. You can't go out because you've got a match tomorrow or you've got training or you've got you know some work to be doing in the gym at home or you, you've got stuff to be doing outside in a garden. So they're used to a routine and to take the routine away from them almost leaves them empty. And, and certainly the players I've spoken to are all exceptionally keen to come back and start playing again because for them it's a return to normality. Well, one person that seems to be uh, less interested in the players um, having a say in the whole scenario is uh, Jens Lehmann, who has just joined the advisory board at Hertha Berlin. Boy, do Hertha Berlin like to uh, keep us entertained, don't they, Manu? So what exactly has uh, Jens been saying? and What's um, he going to be doing at Hertha Berlin? Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I mean, we were joking about this, um, Chris and I, on on a chat um, that yeah, that just don't seem to learn. Um, we were together in in Hamburg when Jürgen Klinsmann gave his famous Facebook 
um, live session, I think it's called. Um, then, of course, Salomon Kalu's Facebook live session. I think if it was for her that they would want to probably delete Facebook altogether. Um, but they also get themselves in the situation by bringing on, you know, interesting characters. Lars Winters, the investor who owns uh, the majority of the um, of the parent company that runs the football operations. Um, he has, of course, uh, positions on the advisory board that he has to fill. And Jürgen Klinsmann, after his Facebook live stream, um, his his walking away from the coaching job at Hertha um, was, of course, his position was... Um, yeah, made available. Um, and he has now decided to bring on Jens Lehmann. And Jens Lehmann wasn't on the on the board for very long when he said uh, made a comment about players coming back and uh, young players being more uh, safe when it comes to the COVID-19. Now, we don't know whether that's true or not because we don't have any evidence. Uh, obviously, Herr Lehmann is not a doctor either. Um, so let's say the quote was, for young, healthy people with a strong immune system, it's not such a big concern. As long as the symptoms are not that bad, I think players have to cope with it. I think if you have symptoms, you should probably stay home. But um, I mean, look, at the same time, maybe not the most fortunate thing to say, but we've all been put into positions, especially this current, with all the things that are currently going on where we're being asked things that we not necessarily are able to answer. And um, I get, we get questions, Chris and I, when we do this show or other shows or go on TV, um, that we don't necessarily know the answers. Even experts don't know the answers to. And I, I don't want to be in a position, you know, we, anyone can be in a position right now, I think, where they can get misquoted. But I think if you're in the advisory board of Hertha Berlin, maybe you need to weigh up your words a little bit more or maybe not go on a show like that and speak about a virus that we don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I suppose it doesn't really surprise us coming out of Hertha, does it? They are entertaining, will we say. So um, Hertha will be playing away to Hoffenheim this weekend. Um, we're going to very quickly just touch on um, a little segment for people that are new to the league, Chris. Um, I think you've been doing this for, well, all week now, uh, picking out players that they should um, keep an eye on anyway, um, and the, the reasons why. So I'm going to let you um, just uh, select a player or two, um, just that you think um, stand out, or or explain to somebody why they should watch them. Well, I think we're all in agreement that the Bundesliga is going to be um, the most watched league in the world this weekend, and for the next six, seven weeks until some of the other leagues come back and, and their own fan base start to be able to watch them again. But you can imagine that there's going to be a lot of viewers in England or the UK. There's going to be a lot of viewers in America, a lot of viewers in Spain and Italy. And, and yes, yeah, some of them will know absolutely nothing about the league. And some of them, like us, will know quite a bit about the league. And yeah, if, if you're watching the teams, there's, there's always players to keep an eye on and not just the ones you'll have heard of. I think we all know, and I think everybody will know who Jaden Sancho is. They'll know who Timo Werner is. Um, <laughs> I think you have to be... Um, stuck without the internet and, and living in a cave for the past couple of seasons not to know who those players are but there's there's good players at every club I just like to highlight a couple of players who I particularly enjoy watching 
um, which is um, Diaby over at um, Leverkusen. And now they've got a lot of good players to watch, Kai Havertz, of course. Um, but I like Diaby. Manu and I were fortunate enough to be at Leverkusen in December and we watched him train. Um, and he trained on his own for a bit and then he, he came into the into the team training. But playing on the pitch and, and in training, he just had a smile on his face. And I've got a lot of time for any player who plays at the very highest level and laughs about it because it shows you just how much they love that game. And I think he's a really tricky, skillful player. He can twist, he can turn, he can link up, he can drop off, he can push deep, he can come back in defence. He's absolutely rapid down either flank and he also knows where the goal is. So that's one for me. Um, you've got a player at Gladbach as well, a Thuram at Gladbach. These, these are players that I would keep an eye on as well as you know the, the bigger names you've heard. But... I mean, there's so many I've, I've had to speak about this week, Bryce, that those are, are my three that come to mind, um, especially. Um, I'm sure Manu's got plenty more. Yeah, I do have a few more. Um, I mean, you boys know this quite well. I, I think I probably can't shut up about him, but yeah, the player I like to watch the most is uh, Alfonso Davies at Bayern. I think it's it's been remarkable the way he has made that left back position his own and really reinvented position. And, and you know, I think he really... The world has really noticed him um, in that game against uh, Chelsea in the Champions League. Um, we've seen it for weeks now. Um, a remarkable player. Uh, really, really looking forward to see what uh, Gio Reyna is going to do at um, at Borussia Dortmund. I think he's going to get a lot more playing time. The long, young U.S. national team player. I, at 17, he's. I think he's already way ahead of the projection that Christian Pulisic was at this stage. So. I think that's a player that you have to keep your eye on. And then a player who I really like and who I noticed a lot um, is Konrad Leimer at Leipzig. Um, I think, you know, there's so many players that people like to watch at Leipzig. Um, Timo Werner, obviously, Sabitzer um, come to mind. But I think what Konrad Leimer is doing in that midfield is, um, is amazing stuff. And it doesn't really become apparent until you actually see it live on location on how important of a player he is for that team. I think that's, that's a real good one to to point out for um, for UK viewers because he was um, he was brought in and started to play when Naby Keita did and I think everybody at the time thought how can Leipzig replace Naby Keita and and that's how and that's who with they did. Yeah, there's so many exciting players, really. We we could do a whole podcast just on that, couldn't we? I mean, uh, if I'm even to jump in on this, I would say Nkunku uh, for RB Leipzig. He's been outrageous this year, I think. He's he's uh, 22, he's French, um, he's, he's got four goals, 12 assists, and he's just rapid. He's electric to watch. He's so entertaining. So, yeah, the RB games, you know, that we get to see, you know, keep close eye on him. And, you know, how can we not mention Hakimi as well at Dortmund? I mean, People are saying that he's, along with the you know Alexander Arnold, the best right back in in the world uh, at the moment. Just a fantastic young player. So and we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? But we, we're already overrunning, and we we've got to go to to questions. Oh, 
Okay, so we're running over a little bit today, but we we feel that you know with the with the league coming back, you know that's allowed, and we've had plenty of questions coming up from uh, listeners and, and new listeners as well. So we thought that we'd uh, try and answer some of them for you. Again, we could podcast all day with the questions that we've been sent over. So. Let's go for the first one. We've got Dom Edmondson who says, which teams do you think will favour from the break, i.e. players recovered from injuries and which teams might have lost momentum or be at a disadvantage playing these ghost games? So, Manu, we'll go to you because Chris touched on it a little bit earlier. So we'll go to you. Yeah, I think the team that's going to benefit the most from this is RB Leipzig because I think they have the deepest team. They have the, uh, the most depth to handle. Um, the amount of games being played, uh, more depth even than Bayern. Although I do think that Bayern are going to benefit from it too. Because I think Leipzig and Bayern are very methodical teams. They're not necessarily as reactive to the atmosphere around them. Um, so those those two teams will probably benefit the most. I think Dortmund um, could hurt from this. Um, I, I touched on this a little bit after the Champions League game um, that they lost to PSG I still think that maybe with a crowd in attendance they would have won this because they had like no other team in the Bundesliga um, lifts off the atmosphere in the stadium and I think that is um, that's that's my prediction anyways I think Leipzig keep an eye out on them I think they have a pretty good shot and maybe um, you know making a really good run at the at the top of the table for because of this yeah, absolutely. That's a very good shite. Uh, we're going to go to the next question then. We've got uh, a long-time listener, Matt Toomey, um, asks, Under Marcus Gistol, can you see Cologne getting into Europe in the next few seasons? Um, Chris, I'll get your opinion on this, but you know, I have to butt in there, obviously, with my love for Cologne and say, I, I think it's possible. I do. I, I, I don't know whether it'll be possible for them next season. It might be slightly uh, you know, out of their reach. Um, I would be more uh, inclined, uh, well, more preferring uh, to them to mid- finish mid-table the next few years, probably steady the ship, because the last time, Chris, we've seen them get into Europe, well, it, it all fell to pieces the year after. Yeah, it did. They uh, they got themselves into European qualification. They lost a couple of players. Um, they got um, They got annihilated at times in Europe, and then they were relegated. Um, but they have played some really good football this season. Um, you know, they've come back up. They've established themselves um, in, in that mid-table position at the moment. They play some great football. Um, I saw them take apart uh, Leverkusen in their derby match in, in December. And they played really, really well on that occasion. And they have played well on a number of occasions. Um, so can they get up there and can they qualify yeah, I, I could see them doing that, but maybe not this season. Um, definitely not this season. I, I'm going to put my hat on that one. And maybe not the the next couple, but the, the building blocks are there. Um, this season, they've managed to pick up points against teams where occasionally in the past they may have faltered. So if we cast our minds all the way back to the very last match day, you know, they beat Paderborn 2-1. That's a game in their relegation season they would have drew or, or got beaten. So they've improved on that. My only fear for Cologne is that they come back into the top league and, and they are a good side, but there's so many other sides now that have strengthened who are traditionally big sides. So let's look at the top four as it is. Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Gladbach. That's a pretty strong top four. Then outside of that, we've got Leverkusen, Schalke and Wolfsburg. Now they make up a pretty a pretty impressive um, top seven. You'd expect 
Hoffenheim to improve at some point, Frankfurt as well, maybe even Hertha Berlin. So it's another team that Cologne have to fight against. Um, but because they're just newly back in and you don't want them to be a yo-yo club, I think finishing 10th or 8th for the next couple of seasons will set them up nicely to have a crack at Europe in the next couple of seasons because I don't think they're quite ready for the Europa League at the moment. They're certainly not Champions League material, but I don't think they're strong enough to cope with European football and staying in the league. We saw what it did to Gladbach um, earlier on in the season. You know, It hurt them quite a bit, that Europa League competition, and now they're fourth after being top. So, yeah, bear with it, Matt. Um, and just be happy that Cologne are where they are. And I think 10th's a really good result for them at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can all be happy that Gistol's doing as, as well as he is. And they will be facing Mainz sitting in 15th this weekend. Uh, on to the next question. We've got at Dobrik Milan. I, I probably completely butchered that one. But his question um, was, uh, he says, my question, ever since this thing has stopped German football, how do you think this will affect the already endangered 50 plus one rule? Will it somehow strengthen it or rather leave clubs a choice? Let be bought by a billionaire or shut down? Manu, it seems like we're always touching on the 50 plus one rule and that will continue yeah, today. Uh, I think that if we had shut down the league early, there would be a real danger for 50 plus one to basically go right away. I think that with the season coming back and hopefully being concluded, 50 plus one actually will get a little bit of a breather. And that should be in mind for many of the people that are critical about the league returning, but are also very much for pro 50 plus one. Um, I think that without the money coming in now, 50 plus one. And also keep in mind, the Bundesliga is probably the healthiest of all the leagues in, in world football. And yet they still have problems. So I think that uh, many teams would have said, okay, look, we cannot survive a 50 plus one on the season being shut down. Um, and the DFL would have probably had to bring the rule down. Um, now we might have a chance. That said, I think that a lot of clubs are still going to to see whether they can maybe soften the approach towards 50 plus one. Um, we're not quite out of the woods yet either. Uh, it's a very, very tricky path till the end of the season. And if the season doesn't end, I think the rule will go. Interesting, interesting. We've got uh, three more questions to go. At Jet Lag Defeater uh, asks, which players uh, could have their transfer market stock rise as a result of Bundesliga being the only major league uh, operating for at least a few weeks? Uh, we'll go to Chris on this one. Okay, that that's a strange choice, um, as man who works for transfer market, but... <laughs> I thought because of the next question. Ah, right, okay. Why. I mean, I could have answered that question for Manu, um, the next one. But, um, I mean, what players will have their um, valuations changed because the Bundesliga only been the last, or only only been the league playing? Um, I'm not sure many will, to be honest, because as Manu will tell you, transfer market, you know, the, the market values of players have already been adjusted um, to, to because of the, the money that's been lost in the game. I don't think football operates on such a knee-jerk um, way that if, I don't know, let's say Jaden Sancho has a terrible couple of weeks for Dortmund, he's going to get 50 million slashed off his value. And vice versa, if he comes on and, and wins Dortmund the league, I don't think you're going to get an extra 50 million put onto him. Um, I personally don't think any value of any player is going to change at the moment because the financial future is so insecure. I would only see the value of players go down. In fact, the, you know, the DFL 
um, CEO Christine Seifert spoke the other day um, on ZDF Sports Show about maybe having to look at salary wage caps and transfer states as as a, as they are as maybe not being something for the future because this whole situation puts football almost on that bursting bubble point. If the TV money isn't there, I think football goes in, in its current form. It goes back to basics and players don't earn a hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand euros a week. They earn a, they earn a minimal amount, a cap level. And I think clubs won't have the money to pay for for teams. Uh, sorry, clubs won't have the money to play for transfers if 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 the season isn't finished. So I can't personally um, see any change to any market value. Go on, Manu. We'll hear your opinion on it as well, and we'll get Chris down. So I think that uh, Chris is pretty much bang on. I, I, you know, we do market value adjustments um, for entire leagues, maybe twice a year. It's not like a stock market where markets go up and down. It doesn't work that way. We just did a major adjustment um, on the on the market values of all players. You know, some players, depending on age category, lost twenty percent. Younger players, ten percent. I do think that younger players will keep their value. You know, Jaden Sancho is is going to be always worth above a hundred million. Kai Havertz, even though his value went down, he's always going to cost more than a hundred million. Um, the same for Erling Haaland, and you, I will actually expect that those players, their market values will stay stable or go up. But some of the older players, I think the market value will go down dramatically. And um, I think Chris pretty much pointed out why that is. I think key talent will be will stay expensive. But um, yeah, if you're an older player, I think that value that, um, for example, a Ronaldo was in his late 30s, who kept his market value for a very long time, a player like that will not be able to keep his market value because clubs will not buy old players. Um, that's just, it doesn't matter who you are. It's just not going to happen. So Chris, uh, Rob Dressel asks, uh, any word on Canadian broadcast rights for next season? Aren't Sportsnet rights ending after this season? And there is a change to the rights um, across many territories and the North American territory is going to be one of the biggest. Um, obviously, the rights have left Fox in the US and will go to ESPN um, and it will affect Sportsnet. Um, I know Manu is um, is a keen viewer of Sportsnet's coverage of the Bundesliga. Um, it, it will move on. Now, there's two options available. I think the zone are making great strides into the Canadian market as they are across the world, Japan, Germany, obviously, even looking at starting um, streaming services in the UK, but just about boxing. So they're a big company. Um, and as Manu's reported on and as I've reported on for Forbes when I was there, um, and Manu has as well for the same company, the, the Bundesliga aren't the only league and aren't the only place in the world that are looking at providing their own over-the-top service. So you know, we might be even seeing in some territories, and Canada could be one of them, where you sign up to the DFL app and you get that on your Apple TV or your laptop or your iPad or whatever, um, and, and you stream every single match um, at the moment, a little bit like the Fox Soccer Match Pass for anybody that's in the US or anybody that knows that. Same NBC football. I think most Premier League rights holders have, have that, where they show every single game. And I think that's what the DFL will maybe look to do. I think it's what UEFA will look to do. And I think it's what the Premier League will look to do. And the league are already looking at it. So it's not just about Canadian broadcasting rights for me. It's about the future of football in this because the teams are held over a barrel with TV money. Well, if you can sell direct to the customer as a league, you negate all that problem straight away. 
There we go. And final question of the day. Uh, Manu, we touched on this a, a little bit earlier, but uh, John Sieg, again, I probably butchered that. It, is it currently, as a Vertebrema fan, to be a tiny bit sad they didn't cancel the season in brackets with no yes, relegation? it is. <laughs> well put. And that is uh, one way to uh, end the uh, podcast. So, uh, yeah, guys, we've obviously had a, a bit of a lengthy one uh, today, uh, but uh, the, we've just had so many questions, um, so many queries, and there's so many um headlines and questions that we can answer to a degree but not fully so we've had plenty to talk about so sorry about overrunning but uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast Uh, if you have any questions you can feel free to get in touch with any of us online um, via twitter and so forth and we'll try and get back to you as soon as possible apart from that enjoy the football this weekend it's going to be different but there's a lot of good games and hopefully we get a a lot of entertaining uh, matches uh, and good goals obviously um until then uh which will be back after the monday night game with a podcast as soon as possible of feeders in ich war seit wochen auf diesen tag und tanz vor freude über den asphalt als wär's ein rhythmus Als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.